The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. Welcome our online podcasters. We are on page 105 in our workbook and this section or this message is titled Righteousness. We are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Profound verse. How many have read that verse? Okay. What is righteousness? Here he's saying we are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I thought we're filled with flaws and ident's. Dents and impacts from the world. Opinions of Satan. It's got to come from that perfect third. The righteousness has to come from that third. Let's take a look at that. Our purpose statement is, Indwell Christians need to stop living for acceptance from others and begin living from the acceptance given through Christ. He accepts the believer as righteous, And as each convert walks in their new identity, their mind is being renewed, and they will then believe what Christ says about them is true in order to make the choice to walk in and after the Spirit. Romans 5.19 tells us that for as though one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of one man or one, the many will be made righteous. Now that's an identity statement. Stephen, don't even worry about you making any choices of righteousness. My son is going to make the choices and live them out through you. Your deal is to figure out how that works. And then I know that the human mind can't figure that out, so I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to bring to remembrance the words of Jesus so you get it. Makes us pretty dependent. Incident versus reacting. Let's take a look at kind of how this whole thing goes in regard to not choosing to believe the righteousness of Jesus Christ and that you are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You're in this relationship And something happens, some incident, some offense, something happens that just messes you up. Could be a physical slap, it could be rumor-bearing stuff, it could be whatever it is, some incident occurs. And basically it throws you off base because you have decided to react to this incident. You choose to say something or do something after the flesh and life goes on, but you do not reconcile. So therefore, the unforgiveness, grudge carrying, avoiding, detaching yourself from that relationship, pay back all your whatever your Godship things are, are in full gear. And you move away from that position completely void of your true identity in Christ. Do you realize that the A-team of the demonic world, all they have to do at this point is throw in an incident every so often? 
Because they know you're a grudge carrier. They know that you function in telling others lies about other people. How does Satan get control of other minds? It's through a thing called Jesus warned us of is gossip. You see, we don't need Satan to deceive us. Anytime that we think we're something, when we're nothing, we, someone finish the verse, we deceive ourselves. So therefore, he builds his plan around, I've got to get this kid to think he's something. I've got to get this human to think they've got value. Good boy, son. Well done. What, so we can grow up these intellectuals who will debate preachers on creation versus evolution and God sends them to hell? Good people? Healthy minds? Einstein even said before he died, shortly before he died, he says, you can take everything I've ever thought of and drop one drop into this trash can and it will only prove one thing and that is I am nothing. But Annie went on to say something very evil. But if you take the collective drops from every human's thinking and put them into one bucket, you may have the ability to figure it all out. That's what's happening in the world of education. It takes all of us collectively. Quit arguing about your gods. Let's all join forces and figure this out. Remember what happened the last time that happened? Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel. Nimrod... I don't know if you've done any study on that guy. This guy was not joking around. He was bright. He was an incredible warrior. He was an incredible architect. He was a designer of of communities like you. He designed Nineveh. He designed some of the communities that this very day are coming against Israel. This man was beyond evil. And he had this tower built where he was going to rise up to try to somehow reach God to have a little discussion with him. That's where his stupidity came in. To think you could build something to reach in and shake your fist at God in his face. Whereas what he was doing, he was already doing that. The mind is wicked, it's evil, it's twisted, it's depraved without Christ, without his mind. Satan and his dudes sitting around the table go, okay guys, this is how we have to do this. We've got to build worldviews that people are arguing about all day long. Now I've got worldview friends with Summit and others that I stay in connection with and I've been invited on teams of debating and all that kind of stuff, still do. And, and uh, some of it's fun and some of it's fruitless, to be honest with you. But I understand the whole worldview, worldview fight. People say I'm a fast thinker. It's not that I'm a fast thinker. I am fast at trying to hear the thinker. That's what I want to learn. Day in and day out. 
So that when someone comes up with these idiotic drop-in-the-bucket things, I can go, you know, but that just doesn't go with what Jesus said. It's not debating them. It's saying that just doesn't line up with, with our Savior. Well, they don't know what to do with that. So they have to opinion. They have to spread their wings and show their chest. That's pride of man. We don't need to debate. You should never debate anyone. You should see if someone is begging for the truth. So they say we got to use worldviews and the flesh that is in them, even if they believe the flesh is not their identity anymore, it's still there and he's going to appeal to it. Through the five senses. And then all the satanic doctrines that have been put together at this table And they're calling it demonic doctrines, but we're going to go ahead and call it the truth. We all in agreement with this? Take it to the pastors. I don't care how you get it in there and get it in their churches and get their councils making decisions. Get them to join the World Council of Churches. Whatever you guys got to do, just go get her done. Because I need this to have control over them. And I think the best way to do it is get them to think that there's something. Self-esteem. I think that's the best. He who thinks he's something when he's nothing deceives himself. So he applies all this pressure through the five senses onto the human body. And that doesn't feel good, does it? So we start, our emotions get all bunched up and twisted. We don't feel good. We don't feel good psychologically. We don't feel, 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 feel. And then the will makes decision on your body being whacked, your mind kind of being whacked. You're just, you start making these decisions on not feeling good. And then the mind starts to follow the emotions. It starts choosing to believe that this old Adamic thought patterns I have is spiritual. And then you hear these people say these things, you're like, where do you get this? Well, it's in the Bible. Well, nowadays, I hate to say it, but i got to say, what translation exactly do you read? The C.S. Lewis translation is so incredibly dangerous. I know they made this movie Noah from it, but this translation is so incredibly dangerous. Beyond the NIV, I was told and given a list recently of what they have done to the ASV. The ASV happens to be a fairly conservative translation that conservatives read. No more. They're not going after particular Bibles randomly. They're going after certain translations that pastors depend on. Now what we got, we come into this course of the relationship, we have an incident, there's a reaction of walking after the flesh, life continues to go on just for a little while, it's delayed appropriation of identity. Those of you who have had training and teaching and understanding of identification in Christ, in the past, oftentimes this is your pathway. There's a little bit of a delay. You'll get it, but there's a delay. 
Reaction and truth don't blend into a response instantly. There's a delay. But you finally hear the Spirit within you, brings you under conviction, you confess that sin, and you embrace truth. And at that time of you embracing and choosing truth, the repentance, seeking forgiveness, restitution, unity, and restoration, you're ready to go to town on that. When people come up to you and say, you know, I really had this time with God and I, I just want you to know that I was wrong for hurting your feelings. Oh boy. You insulted Jesus Christ. What is done unto the least of these, my brethren, you do unto me. You insulted Jesus Christ, not me. You go reconcile with him. Then we'll talk. Well, that's an arrogant thing to say. So be it. We, do we talk like this anymore? Are you kidding I'm surprised I haven't been sued yet or something because it's the plain facts. You insulting me is valueless. But you insulting Jesus Christ in more than a swear word, you're on a different realm there. You're playing a whole different game. And you let them get away with this is all about Steve Finney's feelings getting hurt? Boy, are you deceived. This is about insulting the word of God who is Christ, who came here to dwell among us so we could behold his glory. You insulted Jesus Christ by insulting his bride. It isn't about me. Yes, I forgive you because Christ has forgiven me. But that's done deal. Where are you at with Christ? You going to do this again tomorrow with your wife? Where are you at, bro? With him. That's a whole different deal. No, we want to say, I'm sorry. And go on. You see, down here you have this relationship and the incident and truth kind of all take place at the very moment. So let's just use the one Jesus used. That's always an easy one. And uh, this relationship turns into a smack on the cheek. Do you know in order to turn the other cheek, you have to have incident and truth engaged in a marital relationship for that to happen that quick. There's no time gap. There's no, I got to go pray about this. I got to go pray with Jesus about how I feel about you. Really? You're going to lose your most precious opportunity of ministry in the middle of persecution. I need to train those workers over there in Africa how this is done. How you get incident and truth now. I stand forgiving. Yeah? Need the other side? I'm going to sue you and take your shirt. Want my shoes too? The answer is there before they put you in a position... To answer their question. You're already there. Persecute me. Hate me. Well, do what you got to do. But this is about Jesus. Not me. 
So you don't like me. So you don't like the way I dress. So you don't like... Who cares? This is about you insulting Jesus Christ. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's the one that grants forgiveness. Not me. But is it appropriate for us to go seek forgiveness from people we love or don't love? Yes. To get the message of the gospel. Why am I do this? Because Christ forgave me. And it's not really me, John, that's forgiving you. It's Christ in me. That's not arrogance. He, he just wants you to know you are forgiven if you are an indwelt believer. And if you're not an indwelt believer, you're not forgiven. How many people believe that unsaved people are forgiven every day for their sins? You need to go do some research on Google to find out how many churches believe that. They preach forgiveness like it's something offered to sinners. You cannot have forgiveness until you make the exchange. That's why people go to hell, the last I heard, because they're not forgiven for their sins. This emergent thing that's going around in the minds of indwelt Christians about forgiveness is for unbelievers is simply bad doctrine. Forgiveness is for unbelievers when they come to Christ and say, Christ, I'm a sinner. I'm going to hell. I need you. I need you to come into my life. And he says, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna, there's a price to that. I'm going to kill you. You're going to experience a co-death, a co-burial, a co-resurrection. This is not just, I forgive you, honey, now you want a lollipop? This is hardcore stuff. There's a price tag here. Uh, uh, Stephen, you're, you're going to have to suffer as I have suffered. Stephen, you're going to have to learn suffering, learn obedience through the things that you suffer. Stephen, you're going to have to... This, there's a long list here, Stephen. Is this what you want? Yes, Lord, it is what I want. Even though I may not understand the price tag. Forgiveness is for the bride of Christ. And if there are sinners like me that respond to that immediate touch of the Lord because He chose me, then I do make a choice in turning around and beholding that relationship. That holding, that embrace is where the forgiveness occurs for the bride of Christ. And the sinners go to hell. So if there's any emergent pastors listening, I know there are, please email me. It's sphinney, S-P-H-I-N-N-E-Y, at iomamerica.org. And let's have a chat about this. Forgiveness is not for sinners. Forgiveness is for sinners who approach the throne of God with repentance. Then he forgets. For the sake of that sinner getting a new identity washed by my blood so that that person can embrace forgiveness. 
too detailed of thinking? I think not. I always listen for the twists and turns the church is putting on those five words at the beginning of that Bible. What are they erasing repentance for? What are they erasing this strong salvation terms for? What are they erasing Colossians 3.25 for? Does anyone know that verse? He who does wrong will receive the consequences of that which he does and that without partiality. That's for indwell believers. Yeah, there's a price tag. There's a price to walk the identified life in Christ. Pick up your cross and follow me or you're not worthy of me. The will is the key, and now we have God using the exact same technique, because it is his technique, and that is the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, of course the Holy Spirit living inside the indwell believer, and pressing on the teeter-totter this way, it goes through the Spirit into renewal of mind, the will starts making decisions on the renewal of mind. The emotions will follow and it dumps into the body as Christ's life behavior. That's pretty simple. Faith is a choice, is based on God's truth, betrothment, internally and externally. Even though it may not seem to be true, so that what is true about me it may true about me already may become true in my daily experience. Faith is a process of bringing what is in the unseen spiritual world, spirit within, into the seen world through Christ as life living. Now, I'm not, I don't want to scare anyone. It's not my purpose of closing with this illustration. But how many believe that there's actually a spiritual world around you? Now you can raise those hands real high if you want. Do you believe Christ can see into this world? Yeah. Do you believe there's angels posted at this door, for example? So that your minds could be freed up enough in a few hours to get some pieces of truth that literally can change your life? I sure hope mine's standing here. I know he is. But see, if I put an emphasis on him versus Christ, that's idolatry. If I go to a movie that puts an emphasis on anything but Jesus Christ, it's idolatry. If I read any book that does not say Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, it's idolatry. And idolatry is a mechanism of Satanism. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you that anything in and of the flesh is of the satanic reflections of the dark world. I don't want to see that dark world. I never have, and I pray I never do. Even when I get on the other side, I have no fascination with seeing Satan destroyed. I know his little booty is going to get kicked and kicked very severely. That's my husband's job. And Hebrew law does not allow women to see destruction. 
Remember when Sarah turned around and saw God destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, the two sister towns of homosexuality? We're getting close to that again, by the way. And there was a command put upon Lot to tell his wife something. Who remembers what that is? Do not let her turn around and see what I am about to to do to this town. For if she does, she'll turn into a pillar of salt. And she did, didn't she? Because women love to see a little revenge of who have hurt their babies. Don't get a mama upset. So I understand her humanness of being tempted to turn around and go, Nuke them, God! Just nuke them! But see, Hebrew law does not allow women to see the anger of their husband. And that truth is a little bit mind-bending for me because I walk that to the end and I know that we are hidden in God. We won't, God won't use allowing us to view Satanism to say, see, I told you I was right. He wants to preserve us. He wants to preserve the bride of Christ. We don't need to see evil to prove it exists. We don't need to go to movies to see that it's true. It is. And I have a husband that fights in that world. But I'll tell you what, when I go before God in my office and I say, God, I need some holy of holies here today. I've got a tough session that's coming. I have this rebel calling me today. I, got I need the holy of holies to do what you do best. Just let my mind stay clear. Don't let me get caught up in everyday affairs. Let's do this. And I'm telling you, my my head clears up, unless I speak too much, but my head gets so clear, it's just like I, I, I hear almost and see almost the clarity of the mind of Christ. And it just becomes out, flat out immovable. And as the lies start being tossed to me by the person I'm talking to, because they are of their father of lies... It's just bam, 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 bam. And so some of these thinkers are saying, you're, you're one of us. You're a thinker. You want to sit in on a debate with us? No, not really. Because I don't want to set some guy up to trick Christ. To manipulate Christ. Mind. Isn't that kind of dumb? Okay, try to trip up Christ's mind in me. Go ahead. Let's go ahead and start. That's not ministry. I want people reconciled back to whoever. Faith is letting and releasing Christ within us to accomplish exactly that. He sees what is in the unseen world. I don't. He wants to bring the things in the unseen world in just enough to share his truth, his betrothment to his bride. And you think God's rude? By only picking a tenth of everyone who's been born, generation after generation, I'm not going to say that to him. You think he's 
a little bit legalistic because he's still keeping the Hebrew law all the way through the book of Revelation, proving that out. No, you're not going to hear me saying that to him. Do I have a desire and passion to learn everything there is about the Hebrew life? You bet I do. Because God is Hebrew. God is the God of Hebrew. It's his language, it's his culture, it's his rules, it's his character. And all these other subcultures that Satan has used and formed is to throw us off from the source. When he said, I am, the I am, Moses got the Hebrew part. He had spent 40 years with his wife's father, Jethro, under Hebrew culture because he didn't have that part. And after 40 years of being under Jethro in Hebrew culture, he got that piece. God says, now you're ready for the final act. And most people read the book of Revelation like it's in Greek. Most people walk through life that they don't ask what the... What, if you want to understand the simplicity of how to understand things that are being said to you, walk it to the end. Just say, what's your end deal here? What, what's, what's the final picture? Where are you going with this, gal? You proved the whole world that Jesus is boozing, drinking, sexual man. Is this where we're going? Is this your last story? Is this is as good as you can make this? Because I have a better story to tell you that ended well. If you want to hear it. So you can pray for her in our discussion. Because she's nibbling at the worm. And I can see God transforming a, a, a pastor like that and going back to the Hebrew design of how God manages people and have quite a story on her hands. When I see him that depraved, I don't toss him to the side. That's God's job. But she's hungry. She wants a little more every day. Father, we thank you very much for these unbelievable, but yet believable truths of who we are in Christ. It is only the Holy Spirit that can bring this truth, betrothment, to our minds as bridal members. Father, if there's someone in this auditorium or a podcaster that's listening that simply thinks they're saved, but they aren't, you know they're not. I pray that the Holy Spirit will illumine their minds, will waken them with these simple truths of who Christ is in us. And that salvation occurs internally. And the sanctification takes place from internal to external. But nothing's going to happen until the Spirit of the living God, you, Father, that that Spirit is put inside our mortal bodies. And then the real work takes place. Forgiveness, washing away our sins, everything that makes us an acceptable bride to your Son. Bless our food we're about to eat. May we be encouraged through our bodies by it. Thank you for the, the ladies and for Q and his people who have put this food together for us. Father, just bless them with a blessing. And I just also ask for the same thing for this food. And this we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.